श्रीमत सदगुरु सरकार की श्रीमत युगल सरकार की गुरु राधना दिशा गुरु परम दैवतम गुरु परतरम नास्ति कृपालु गुरवे कपिशम वै जयंती क्षमालाणु रधर सुधया गोपवृंद वृंदारण्यम स्वदरमण प्रशदीर्ति यो ब्रह्माणं विदधाति पूर्व यो वै वेदा प्रहिणोति तस्म तग्वंहदेवत्मबुद्धि प्रकाशम मुमुक्षुर्वै शरणमहम् प्रपद
जोगिरीधार गोविंद सरकार की श्रीमत युगल सरकार की
respected devotees of Sri Maharaji, dear viewers, Radhe Radhe. ऐसी स्थिति में हे अकारण करुण पतित पावन श्री कृष्ण तुम अपनी अहैतु की कृपा से ही हमको अपना लो पतित पावन holder of the title, the divinizer of sinful souls. O Shri Krishna, you are akarana karuna. You are causelessly merciful. Please inspire my buddhi my intellect to surrender to your lotus feet because even after being kicked repeatedly with disappointments by uncountable wives and husbands and everyone still my heart does not detach from the world My mind continues to be willful even after reading, listening, knowing, and even accepting divine knowledge. Material desires, they haunt me day and night. And without your grace, there's no hope that these material fancies, these illusions will go away or dissipate. So please bestow a glance of your causeless grace upon this fallen soul. Tuto binu karana govind radhe Kripa kari ab sab karana hata de Oh Shri Krishna, you bestow grace without any cause, without any condition. So please, remove all the conditions and bestow your grace upon me. Even though the condition is not from Sri Krishna's side, it's from our side. We're lacking, our surrender is lacking. His waiting for us to embrace us is infinite, eternal. He never once forgets us. We're the ones that keep deviating, diverting our mind 
running and chasing after sensual gratifications. Tere binu aur kaun Govind Radhe Jag mein kripaluwa ko Pata hi bata de Oh Shri Krishna, please tell me the whereabouts of anyone else who is causelessly merciful. Kaha jau kaso kahu Govindaradhe Tum binu kaun sune Thaur Batadhe Kaha jau Where should I go? And whom should I dis narrate my distress to? Who is willing and who can really understand the depth of my anguish? Oh, Shri Krishna, except for you. Tumato kripalu dohu govindaradhe Kripa kore kari meri bigari banade. I was in India when Shimaraji composed. This doha. I recorded Shakuntala Mami, she was chanting. Maharaj was composing Dohas, and she was chanting. So I recorded. I still have that recording. Tumato Kripalu Dohu Govinda Radhe. Oh, Govinda Radhe, you are grace personified. Please bestow a glimpse of your grace, Kripa Kor, so that my ruined destiny may be rectified. Oh, Shri Krishna, Radha Govind. Mana me bure se bura, Govindaradhe. Kripa binu acha bana kona batade. Even though I am the worst, I am most fallen, but without having received your grace, is there any soul who has become virtuous? Radha Govind Geet. So, this title, this attribute of Shri Krishna, Patita Pavan and Akarana Karuna, causelessly merciful. 
Even though God is the embodiment of infinite everything, virtues, attributes, but for us souls in this journey to divine love, these two attributes are particularly important and significant. Shukadeo Paramhans, he remained in his mother Pingala's womb for 12 years. His father, Vedavyas, spoke to him through his Yog Shakti and told him to come out. Son, come out. So Shukdeo Paramhansi spoke from his mother's womb, Father, I don't want to come out because Maya will overpower me. But don't you worry because I'm not troubling mom. So Veda Vyas assured him and he said, I assure you Maya will not overpower you. So anyway, he did come out and he immediately became a 12-year-old boy and walked off in an unknown direction. Yam prabrajantam anupetam apetakrityam dvaipayano virahakatara ajuhava putreti tanmayataya taravo bhine dustam sarvabhuta hridayam munimanatosmi bhagavatam. So Vedavyas was following after him, calling him, son, son, come back. But Shukadeva Paramhans was not listening. Because he was in that state of non-duality, he couldn't hear any external sounds. So he kept walking. And Vedavyas was following him. So when he walked a little ways, a, sh a short distance, he came upon an interesting sight. Drishtvanu yantam rishimat majamapyanadnam devyokriya paridadhurna sutasya chitram tadviksya prichati muno jagadustavastistri pumbhida natusutasya vivikta drishtehe bhagavatam. So he saw in a pond a few women were bathing without clothes. So when Shukdev Paramhans passed, they continued to bathe without covering themselves. However, when Vedavyas passed them, they started dressing up. So when Vedavyas saw this, he asked, he stopped and asked them, why are you covering yourselves for me, an old man? And you didn't even cover yourself for when my young son passed by? Why? So the women answered, Oh, Vedavyasji, please forgive us, but you are in the state of hunts, and Shukadeo is in the state of Paramhans. So Vedavyas asked, then how did you determine that? It means that you are spiritually more advanced than I am. 
more qualified than I am. So the women said that, no, our qualification is, in fact, much lower than yours. But we have heard, as it is described in the Vedas, yatrahi dvaitamiva bhavati taditara itaram jighrati taditara itaram pashyati taditara itaram shrinoti taditara itaram abhivadati taditara itaram manute taditara itaram vijanati yene dam sarvam vijanati tam kena vijani yad vijyatar mare kena vijani yaditi brihadaranyo upanishad Brihadaranyak Upanishad. So, they told Vedavyas that in the state of being hunts, in other words, in the state of duality, one can perceive, one can smell, one can hear, one can think, one can know, but in the total, in the state of total non-duality, the param hunts, experiences only his own divine self everywhere and in every molecule of the world. And his universal consciousness, he's not even aware of his body or his senses. So this being the case, how could he hear anything, see anything, speak anything, think anything, or even know anything. How is it possible? We guessed that Shukadev is Paramhans because if he saw anything, if he had noticed anything aside his own divine self, then there would have been a difference in the way he glanced at us, or he would have glanced at us. There would have been an expression of either love or hate or surprise. But we did not detect any difference in the way he looked. And yet, there was a great difference in the way you looked at us. This question that you are asking us right now is evidence that you are in a state of duality. Your hunts. So, Shukdev kept walking and Vedavyas returned home. Sometime later, he revealed the Bhagavatam. He wrote the Bhagavatam and revealed the Leelas of Sri Krishna, the glories of Sri Krishna, as we know in the 10th canto. And one of Vedavyasji's disciple, he went to the jungle where he saw that Shukdev Paramhans was there, there in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. He was absorbed in trance. And <clears throat> so he recited a verse that I chanted in my Vandana. Baraha Pidam Natavaravapuhu. Karna yoho, karni karam. So this verse, this disciple chanted. And the samadhi of Shukadeva Paramhans, it was evoked. It was evoked. 
in other words, the power of the verse penetrated his samadhi. And so he asked the disciple where he had heard and where he had learned the verse. And he told that, my guru. But then, Shukdev Paramhans thought, anyway, the verse, the meaning of this verse is, it is describing the glorious, supreme, heart-captivating beauty of Sri Krishna. He is entering the forests of Vrindavan Dham, surrounded by his Gwalbal friends. He's wearing a peacock feather diadem, wearing the Karnikar, flowers blue colored on his ears, wearing a pitambar, holding a flute, and gracing the earth with his divine lotus feet while the Gwalbals are singing his glory. So this jhanki, this form of Sri Krishna is described in this verse. So Shikadeva Paramahans thought that Sri Krishna is so great and I am just an insignificant soul. How could I possibly reach him? So his father, Vedavyasji, knew and so he taught another verse to his disciple and he chanted that verse aho vakiyam stanakal kutam jighan saya payayadapya sadvi lebhe gatim dha truchitam tatonyam Sharanam Shimaraji composed this kirtan. Thakuru Yugala Kishore Hamaru. Tujhe sadayalu nahi pyare, 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 pyare. Putna garil pilaya tohi pyare. Vau dini gati dhani pyare, 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 pyare. So these chants, they depict the same meaning that is depicted in that verse of the Bhagavatam. That, oh, Shri Krishna, you are so causelessly gracious and merciful. Whom should I love except for you? When I hear the greatness of your glories and your virtues, I feel overwhelmed. You gave your divine abode to that wicked, demoness Putana. Even though she came with poison smeared on her breasts 
with the intention of killing you. And when you were asked that, oh, Sri Krishna, you are all-knowing, you dwell in the heart of each and every soul and impart justice, give the consequences of their inner feelings. You knew Putana's intention and yet you gave her your divine abode. You never considered her misdoings and her wickedness. And even though you knew her intention and yet you gave your divine abode to her. So Sri Krishna said that when I placed her breast in my mouth, she became my mother. And so I decided to uplift her. I decided to give her my divine abode. So when Shukadeva Paramhans he heard this verse of the Bhagavatam, Aho Vakiyam Stanakalakutam. Hope was kindled in his heart. He felt hopeful because he knew that he had no intention of killing Sri Krishna like Putana did. And so he thought that Putana had the intention of killing Sri Krishna and she. And Sri Krishna bestowed his divine abode to her, then there is surely hope for me. He will definitely also embrace me and make me his own someday. So this quality, this attribute, virtue of Sri Krishna was demonstrated in Putana Lila over 5,000 years ago during Sri Krishna's divine dissension. It was to highlight and to glorify the extreme, infinite, kind, merciful, causeless, divine nature of Sri Krishna. Now let us try to understand and explore the meaning of grace and try to understand who can bestow grace? Who can actually bestow grace? So the word grace means favor without expecting anything in return. A mother in the world, she serves her newborn child in every possible way. She talks to the child, she nurtures the child, and fulfills all the needs of her child, but does not expect anything in return. The child is so incapable of doing anything on its own. So this can be termed as the grace of the mother. But in reality, this is not grace at all even though we can understand it to a certain extent. It does define grace to a certain extent. Truly speaking, grace is causeless and selfless. And in this material world, it is impossible to comprehend this as anything that we do 
as in our actions, are motivated by a selfish, selfishness or an expectation. We have an expectation. We expect something in return. Just like the mother, she tries to derive happiness and contentment by serving that baby, by taking care of her child. Inherently, she wants, she has this desire that when she grows old, that her child will be there to take care of her. So the selfish motive, even though it may not be apparent, it is there, it's hidden. It is hidden. So eventually, as individuals, what do we do? We try to derive our own happiness from every act, from every action. Why? Because we have not received and experienced true happiness. And so, until we realize true happiness, we can only think of our own happiness only, happiness of our own self. It is only the personalities who have attained perfect divine happiness and have transcended maya. Only they can serve selflessly and contribute selflessly. In other words, only God and saints can serve the soul selflessly and causelessly. Most of the time when we speak of God and saints conferring grace upon us, we refer to all of those favors in regards to material accomplishments, such as being blessed with a son or with a child, bag a lucrative job, winning lottery. being approved for an exam, etc. But would a God-realized personality further entangle us by giving us material possessions or help us detach from them? Once a Brahman who lived in Kashi and a devotee of Bhagwan Shankar. He was doing worship to Bhagwan Shankar. So, but he had practiced Krishna devotion in his previous life. And so one morning while he was asleep, he heard a voice whispering near him. So when he opened his eyes, he didn't find anyone around him, but the voice he heard was very clear. It told him to go to Vrindavan and surrender to Sanatan Goswamiji. And with his grace, his grace will reveal the thing of, or the greatest thing of his satisfaction. So he 
thought in his mind that I will go to Vrindavan and with the grace of Sanatan Goswamiji, perhaps I will become wealthy. Even though he was a good devotee of God, he had a desire for worldly wealth because all his life he was poor, living in poverty. So he had a desire for wealth also. So he thought perhaps his grace will make me wealthy. I will receive the divine vision. So anyway, when he finally met Sanatan Goswamiji, he said to Sanatan Goswami, he told him about his dream. And Sanatan Goswamiji told him that I only have one thing for you, and that is Krishna love. You see, I have no belongings, as you can see. I have very few belongings. I barely have anything of my own. And so that Brahman, he was quite disappointed. But Sanatana Goswamiji being a saint, he knew that in the back of his mind, he had that ambition. So he told the, the Brahman, he said, well, you know, the other day I went to Yamunaji to take a bath, and so this precious stone came into my hand. It was useless for me, so I just buried it there in the sand, and if you want it, I can tell you where to find it, and so you go get it. So he told him, and he found it. For a moment, he was thrilled because it was worth a fortune. He was really happy. But then a thought came to his mind, and he thought, Sanatan Goswamiji, he barely has anything. He doesn't have any belongings or anything. And yet, he dropped this. He renounced this paras money. It means that he has something of greater value than this precious stone. This stone. So this incident, it changed his mind. And so he dropped it there and went back to Sanatan Goswamiji. And he said, your grace opened my eyes. I was ignorant. I had desired wealth, being poor all my life. But I know that you have the greatest wealth. Please bestow that upon me. The point is that grace actually really is associated with the soul, with the soul, not the body. A mother, a worldly mother, can take care of the body of her child, not the soul. So, grace in fact, really means divinizing our intellect, senses, and mind. Yes. It means granting divine love to that soul, to the soul, and making him spiritually wealthy for all eternity. So the grace of God and saints does not grant material possessions. They grant 
who they are and what they are. The form of divine love is what they give to the soul. That is the true meaning of the word grace. Now, we understand that saints and God, divine personalities and God, are causelessly merciful. They're selflessly gracious. Their grace is unconditional. And so, whatever I just explained, just as a way of reiterating the same thing in yet a different way, We, as individuals, we do also show compassion. We also show mercy. But it really depends on our mood. Owing to the three gunas revolving in our consciousness, in our antahakaran all the time, and when we, little mercy that we do show, it is also, it is conditional. It is conditional. Yes. You see, the act of giving or the act of charity, donating, is of two kinds. One, when we give as humans, we have a desire. We wish to subserve our selfishness. Giving. Just like if somebody falls ill in your family, then naturally you serve them, spend money, take them to the doctor, do everything you can. If someone is in the family, passes away, we feel anxiety, tension, we feel troubled, we feel sorrowful. If somebody has been in, an, in a serious accident and lost an arm or a leg or whatever, we feel, we show compassion. But our compassion has selfishness in it. There's self-interest. Someone may argue that, uh, well, we also give to a spiritual cause. We also give charity to the poor. What is there for us to receive from that? Oh, yes. There is an ulterior motive. Of course. What is it? Well, first of all, we expect to be acknowledged for the dawn for the charity that we make. Like Sri Maharaji told us that when Prem Mandir was being built, there are so many karodapatis, million years and billion years that came to Maharaji and offered to make a donation of whatever amount but they had a condition. They wanted their name carved 
on a stone. They wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted people to see that they were one of the donors. And Maharaji said, not interested. So there is a motive. We wish to be acknowledged. And beyond that, we wish to be released from the afflictions of this material world. Dehik, Devik, Bhautik, Tapo, Se, Mukti means we wish to be liberated from the afflictions of our physical body and our mind and afflictions caused by people around us and other living beings and also afflictions caused by nature. So we have a motive. We do. So we show compassion and yet there is a condition. On the other hand, the opposite of compassion and grace is anger. We also exhibit anger. We show anger when? When our self-interest is harmed. That is when we show anger. If we're walking through the market, we come across so many people, but we remain neutral. We don't show any compassion. We don't show any anger. So the few people that we know in our life, 10, 20, 30 people, whom we have self-interest, we wish our self-interest to be fulfilled by them, then we show compassion toward them, and we also feel angry toward them. In the family, it happens. So we, but with the rest of the world, as Saint Kabir Dahji said, Kabira khada bazaar me sabki mangi khair na kahu so dosti na kahu so bair. So we remain neutral. But what about God and saints? They can only do one thing. They can only show grace. They can only bestow grace. Shimaraji tells us that deities of God, they're made with different kinds of materials. Wood, clay, stone, silver, gold. So when the deity is constructed or made, or yeah, as made, I guess, is the word. So the material that is used to make the deity is exactly the same. In other words, every fiber of that deity is permeated with that material. It could be wood, it could be stone, it could be iron. So it is through and through. Every part of it has that, is made with that material. Now we as humans, we are a combination of two, two entities, maya and divine, divinity. Soul is divine. Our body, mind, senses, and intellect are made of the five structural elements, air, water, fire, space, and earth. 
We are made of the five elements. So, when the soul departs, then what happens? Our body starts decomposing. It starts putrefying. It starts to decay. And our body has to be cremated. But, in the case of divine personalities, God and saints, their body is made of the same divine tattva, divine substance, divinity, satta, chitta, ananda. Through and through, every fiber, every pore of their being is a form of grace. Grace inside, grace outside, grace all over. So they can only grace. That's all they can do. That's all they can do. Just like, just to, as a, an illustration, this is a real life incident, of course. There is a satangi of Sri Maharaji. She was a cancer patient. Mangarvasi. And uh, so she was in Mangar. And uh, Sri Maharaji used to call and inquire about her condition and her health and how she was doing, how her health was. Even while Sri Maharaji was traveling through the different ashrams, like for the celebrations, etc., he, Sri Maharaji, would call her on a daily basis and talk to her. And so Sri Maharaji would tell her, Abhimad jana, hamare aane ke baad jana. Don't leave. I'll be there soon. Leave in my presence. Because her condition was deteriorating day by day, her being a cancer patient. So finally, when Sri Maharaji reached Mangar Dham, without even the slightest delay, Sri Maharaji went straight to her room to give her his darshan. Because she was waiting eagerly. Before Maharaji arrived, she was waiting eagerly and she would pacify herself by saying that, all right, Sri Maharaji will come whenever he pleases. And so when he finally did arrive, went straight to her. In the evening when she came to Sri Maharaji, Sri Maharaji took one of his malas and put it on her. Her heart, of course, overwhelmed with love and gratitude, she began crying. And as we can imagine, Sri Maharaji also, his heart melted. So the next day, with her failing health, she couldn't make it to the satsang hall, so Sri Maharaji went again to her room to give her darshan. And he would send her prasad every day also. His prasad, Sri Maharaji sent to her also. 
So one night when Sri Maharaj went to rest, suddenly he got up and he rushed to her room. And when he got there, he said to her, Aaj hamare paas You did not come to see me today. But see, I'm now here because you called me. Tumne pukara, to hum I'm here because you called me. Shortly, of course, she passed on. What could this be except for grace and grace and grace? And even the walls in her room, Sri Maharaji had divine teachings all over the walls in her room. Always remember and absorb your mind in the loving remembrance of Hari and Guru and their divine name and their divine form and their virtues and their leelas. God and Guru are grace. So the inherent meaning of this line of the prayer he akarana karuna patita pavana shri krishna tum apni ahaituki kripa sehi hamko apanalu o kripa sindhu ocean of compassion o dina bandhu the true friend of humble souls o bal bandhu my one and only strength Shri Krishna, I have committed uncountable sins over the course of my uncountable lifetimes and only your grace can redeem them. Please, I have come to your door. So, Patita Pavana, divinizer of fallen souls, is also an important attribute for us souls. Because Sri Krishna purifies us. He purifies us. As I explained in one of my previous lectures, that as what is keeping us in this world, what is keeping us from reaching our goal, our own sanskars, our own sins and our own, the bondage that we ourselves have created for us is what's keeping us. And that bondage is what? Our own pop and aprad and our own sins. That's why the scriptures tell us, Mannimittam kritam papam madharmaya chakalpate mamanadritya dharmopi papam snyanmat prabhavataha that only the moments we spend in the loving remembrance of God and Guru are free of sin. Otherwise, 
the rest of the time we spend doing anything outside of the realm of the remembrance of God and Guru are sins. We are eternal beings. Even if we committed one sin in one lifetime, we have been in this world our, over the course of unlimited infinite lives we have committed. So there's no... Our sins, they know no bounds. And yet, Sri Krishna purifies. He divinizes the fallen souls. But only those souls who accept their fallen state. Only the ones who accept their fallen state from within from within, from deep in the heart. Only those souls he will purify. But even though we hear Sri Maharaj's lectures, we find ourselves guilty of not accepting, except here and there, So Sri Maharaji tells us the only thing that prevents us from accepting our true state, our fallen state, is our own ego. It stands in the way. It is an impediment. And to work on our ego, to tame our ego, to dissolve our ego, soften our heart that we have hardened through our consistent association with the world in so many different ways, Sri Maharaji has given us a ginormous treasury of devotional materials to uplift us, to inspire us, so that we can absorb and engage our mind, our mind and our heart in the loving remembrance of Hari and Guru with those feelings, with that realization, we can. So Sri Maharaji has already given to us so much. And how many times have we heard Sri Maharaji tell us, it's not that difficult, because you already do that in the world. You have the same mind, of course, that you have to apply. You don't have a different mind that you can order. You know, I'll, well, I'll give one to the world and then I'll, I'll just order one more. It's not like that. Because we only have one mind. And so we already know the practice. It's just a matter of diverting our mind from the world to devotion. And that is what surrender is, essentially. So Sri Maharaji tells us that how, when we engage our mind then how do we identify that we are actually practicing his teachings sincerely and wholeheartedly? What is the test? The test is that if someone, anyone, devotee or not a devotee, anyone, says anything to us 
that is hurtful or unpleasant or insults us in any way through words or deeds or in any way and we remain unmoved that is evidence that yes we are practicing our sadhana our correctly but if we feel if we feel hurt our ego gets bruised then no no once a devotee had traveled to india and um so not sure if, if it was in masood anyway one of the ashrams so she maharaji was giving a lecture and so she was talking i mean like maharaji was talking rather sorry and uh and so she was like had a video camera so she was fussing with it and so maharaji told her to just you know put it aside and calling her churel so she didn't understand at the time but when she got a translation that you know churel means witch she was so devastated extremely devastated and bent out of shape and like she was just totally like fell apart that maharaji called me churel it was so like you know whereas if maharaji gives us a name how ecstatic we should be our guru is calling us giving us anything or saying anything to us how blessed we are and how lucky we are but she was terribly upset that that is what she maharaji called her because as we know like maharaji used to call the girls churel and the boys gadhe so once actually in vrindavan i was in shri maharaji's car <laughs> and we were going i was um, so from shamasham dham to jagadguru dham and so as soon as the driver you know he before we kind of pulled onto the main road the ramandreti road just as we were kind of before the turn he made the turn there was a a tree and a donkey was tied to the tree so maharaji said apne bhai ko namaskar karo maharaji said greet your brother so my point is that maharaji used to call the boys gadhe and the girls churel so but the point that i'm really trying to make is that when we grow in our sadhana and when we are sincerely practicing our sadhana then inevitably we develop humility and humility enslaves god and so when and that grace that omnipresent grace of our guru is transmitted within us and to that degree that worldliness and that feeling that feeling that we're always like wanting to be nurtured and praised and and loved and you know it's just the american way right attention we seek a lot of attention here in america unfortunately it's just how it is the society is like this the culture is like this so we're molded in the society so we expect that in this you know in the society but as devotees 
we have to start, you know, letting go. And devotion is the greatest wealth that we have that helps us to overcome all those egotistical qualities or whatever we may call them, hang-ups or whatever. So this devotee, or we as devotees, we beg, we beg, and we seek the grace of Patita Pavan and Akarana Karuna, Sri Krishna, so that we may feel closer and closer and closer to Hari and Guru. Srimad Sadguru Sarkari Ki Srimad Yugal Sarkari Ki Jai Jai Shri Radhe Jai Jai Shri Radhe Jai Jai 